0: We're on. Let's give it a minute and then we can start.
1: Oh, actually, you know what? Our time started. Let's go. Yeah. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for coming to our presentation. Um, by way of introduction, I'm Jared Vanderway. I'm part of Deloitte's M&A offering portfolio. I advise clients on IT operating model design. I help them think through how they need to change to incorporate some of the new trends that are out there, like Agile, DevOps, and cloud. Um,
0: I'm Naveen Advani, uh, work for Cisco. I get asked this question, so I'm gonna clear this up right up front. Not the Cisco with the C, not the computer networking company. We are Cisco with an S. We do different kinds of networks, supply chain networks for food distribution. Uh, I lead a, a component of our IT organization that's focused on supply chain merchandising. I also have responsibility for uh, data and analytics platforms in the organization. And in the recent past, I've been leading uh, a whole host of cloud initiatives along with Deloitte on the Agile transformation as well. So that's me.
1: Yeah. So for about the last two years, we've been working closely together uh, doing a complete transformation of Cisco's IT function. And as part of that journey, uh, what we've really come to see is how interdependent and mutually beneficial cloud and Agile are. Right, not only to each other, but also to Cisco's kind of broader vision of itself as you know a company that's really known for its technology solutions and that's a destination for technology talent. Uh, So, what we wanted to talk through today is really just what that kind of journey has looked like and how agile transformation has been an accelerator of you know AWS migration. I used to look like There you go. Um, So with that in mind, the way that we've structured the talk today, first I wanted to give you a bit more of an overview of the Cisco Corporation, since many of you might not be familiar with the business that it's in, you know, or the size of of the organization or what its IT, you know, department looks like. So we wanted to give you some upfront context there. Then we'll share some of the upfront journey of Cisco to the cloud, you know, what some of those first steps were, uh, what some of the benefits and challenges were as part of that. And that'll hopefully set the stage then for... Agile and how that was really one of the solutions to address some of the challenges that, that Cisco was facing as it was moving towards the cloud. And then we'll end off the conversation with basically some next steps in terms of where Cisco is looking to go in terms of its cloud journey.
0: Do you want to build the whole slide out? All right, so let me give you a little bit of an overview about Cisco. Um, We are a global food distribution organization. We market and distribute food products to various different industry segments from restaurants, mom and pop shops, uh, all the way up to healthcare institutions, education institutions, travel and leisure. So the the planes that you came in on or the restaurants that you're gonna eat at this week, there's a very high likelihood that the food that you're eating there went through the Cisco supply chain. Uh, We are 59 billion in revenue uh, last year uh, and growing, we've grown over our history through a lot of m and activity. We have about 67,000 employees globally. We operate in about 13 countries. Um, out of that, we've got about 500,000 unique customers. Uh, we, we've got SKUs of over a million actively sold. Um, we've also got different lines of business. So our biggest business, which, which is a large component of our 59 billion revenue, is our broadline business, which essentially means we sell a whole wide assortment of products. We also have niche lines of business uh, that cater to different segments within the restaurant industry. Uh, these are meat manufacturing, so special cut meats. We also have FreshPoint, which is a produce-based uh, line of business, as well as uh, a concept-based line of business called Sigma, which distributes to uh, fast food chains like Wendy's and Subway. Uh, So these are a a flavor of the different lines of business that we own. So that's us. If you go to the next slide, Jared. So how do we start our our cloud journey? So as I mentioned, Cisco has grown over the years through a lot of M&A activities. We've acquired a lot of companies and you know what comes with acquisitions. Those of you in the IT world that have lived through this know that there's a lot of different systems that you need to start integrating. So one of the first elements that we struggled through during our acquisition attempts in the past was the data set. How do we identify customers that are similar? How do you identify catalogs and items that are similar? Suppliers and synergies on the procurement side that you could gain from that M&A activity. So the very first foray into the cloud was uh, looking at a cloud-based MDM solution so we could mash up these key elements of customer item and supplier and potentially get better insights into our M&A activities. So about three years ago, uh, we were going through a a larger M&A opportunity, and uh, what we did then was look at this MDM solution, piloted a few things, and had great success on that during the M&A activity. So that was our first foray. It was a SaaS-based tool that we had looked at, and from there on in, the success that we had with that particular tool expanded our horizons on looking at PaaS and IaaS offerings as well. What we did in the first couple of years was, um, if I take a little bit of a step back, what we ran into at that point in time was the skill set of our resources. We needed a lot more uh, knowledgeable resources on the ground that would be able to help us think through our journey. Our, Our infrastructure was dated. We needed people to be able to translate and that's where we leaned on folks like Deloitte and the AWS team to help us think through that, seed the knowledge, and helped us define what that next step looked like. Beyond the MDM uh, play, we looked at modernizing our different applications that primarily ran on AS400. They, a lot of our applications, our core applications still run on AS400s. We also have a re-hosted mainframe environment that we've now transitioned to the cloud, but that was one of the, the key elements that we looked at as our first step into using uh, a pass-based offering with AWS. We are at a point where we are now starting to scale all of our solutions, move a lot of our uh, legacy applications into the cloud, and this is a combination of doing lift and shifts, refactoring applications, and also building net new capabilities. A lot of our data warehousing and analytics capabilities that we've transitioned to the cloud are net new capabilities that we hadn't uh, explored in the past, and this has unlocked not just value from an IT perspective, but also opened up new avenues for business models. We, We have visibility into white space analysis, penetration opportunities. Some of the lines of business that I mentioned earlier, we actually had our uh, field sales guys competing against each other for business out in the field. And we did not have visibility to that because they were all on different systems. We weren't able to see uh, the conflict, if you will. Essentially what that meant for us was there was potential loss in margin and even product. So looking at the cloud, the journey for scale includes not just lift and shift from an IT perspective to re-platform, but also unlocking new business capabilities. So that's kind of been in a nutshell our journey so far. What we're gonna do in the next few slides is talk about what our experiences were through the phases of this, and Agile's been a key part of that.
1: <clears throat> awesome. And- you know, just to quickly cover some of the benefits. I think we all, you know, are aware of the benefits of, of cloud and we already covered a number of them. But just to knock off a few of the other ones that we were experiencing even early on as teams were moving in this direction. You know, one, teams were getting more agile that had moved towards, you know, using the cloud in, in certain ways. Um, reduce time to deliver, be able to provision, you know, new capacity or servers faster than before, and then far more responsive to their to their customers. Uh, We also started to see some actual upskilling of employees as well, since this new way of working forced them to think about how to actually modernize their applications and think kind of outside of their traditional domains a little more broadly about the problems that they were trying to solve. I think there were some cost efficiencies as well um, around reducing the the physical data centers. So I think now they're at a point where about 40% of their on-prem servers have been decommissioned or transitioned over. And about 70% of their their main Houston data centers now retired as well, based on moving those workloads over and the and the cost efficiencies that come with that. Um, So a lot of benefits coming from this, you know, and other ones too around system reliability and things like that. But there was also, I think, a lot of, of challenges, and the challenges where it gets, you know, I think, a little more interesting. Um, so you know, I, w- I was going to give a little disclaimer up front, and I'll do it now since I forgot. But you know, we really wanted to focus this talk on, was less around the challenges that had to do with technical implementation of AWS services, and more about kind of the organizational and operating model challenges that Cisco faced as it was moving in this direction. Um, those actually started to prevent or present, I think, a real barrier to, to moving into, into the cloud more and more of their workloads.
0: And just to add to what Jared said, right, though the session's not necessarily taking a double click into the technology issues, there are a bunch of sessions that we have at reInvent that <clears throat> the guys in the front row are, are leading that are Cisco-focused and, and take a little bit of a deeper dive on some of the challenges that we've had. So the folks in the front row here, can give you some additional insights if you have specific questions or the sessions that they're going to be leading. I will also provide you a context of where we kind of came from.
1: So, you know, with those benefits that we talked about, the demand was high, but some of those organizational challenges that were preventing, you know, scaling cloud more broadly or faster you know, were things like you know having at that point in time real experience strong leadership around this that could really define the strategy for cloud think through what the right model was with service providers what the right migration path was and which areas should be targeted first you know and things like that so i think that was one challenge and it was expanded on the fact by the fact that the workforce itself was not used to working in this way you know so the more general workforce didn't know necessarily how to um, design, develop, or run cloud-based solutions, which prevent another real obstacle to, to accelerating this journey. Um, an added issue then, you know, if you tried to fix that from coming outside, was the structural fact that you know, the hiring manager in the organization didn't necessarily know what types of talent profiles to target either in order to bring in kind of that next generation talent that could work in this way. So they ended up essentially hiring people according to the mold that they had in the past and which led then basically to the old way of working and, and kind of preserving that way of working versus pushing forward um, and that then also then turned into more reliance on the vendors that were in place at that time you know so in a lot of cases you know if you're moving to the cloud that's going to ultimately eliminate a lot of the, the, the work that vendors are doing and so they're not necessarily incentivized to, to do that work and to help Push the organization forward so that became another issue and then there's just the organizational challenge the fact that the organization was structured you know more in, in silos right as most it organizations or traditional it organizations are so even in the infrastructure space you know you had separate network and security and server and other teams and if a, if a team wanted to move you know uh, to the cloud they had to then interact with all of those teams and stitch together a solution you know, and all the handoffs that involved, it made it basically a very inefficient and, and manual process, and not necessarily, you know, pushing people to actually move in that direction. So those are some of the the more operating model challenges that existed, and that were really causing, you know, a barrier in terms of moving Cisco forward in terms of its its cloud ambitions.
0: Yeah, just to add a little bit of color to what Jared said there, and give you guys some specific examples, I had a couple of teams. Uh, uh, I'll take one example of our, our uh, re-hosted mainframe environment where we were trying to move our mainframe up into the cloud, our re-hosted mainframe up into the cloud. Um, and the team essentially comprised of, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit, was we had a managed services vendor that we used <coughs> for managing that application. So uh, the skill set in-house was fairly limited. Uh, one of the folks in the front row here kind of managed that, uh, that capability or that technology and the platform. Being able to get the right skill set in to identify how we would go about the migration was extremely important. AWS brought in their consulting services to kind of help us think through the architecture. One of the key learnings that we've had over the years while we've worked with them across multiple projects is that if you don't start this off the right footing, um, you, you can't always adjust. That's the beauty of the cloud. You can always adjust, and you typically have to adjust uh over time uh but if you kind of start off on the right foot it helps the project a whole lot we learned that the hard way with a couple of projects but this one we brought in the right aws help our actual first attempt at moving our mainframe the rehosted mainframe into the cloud it's rme and it hosts all of our corporate functions it's got our corporate finance our corporate procurement as well as national sales so it's a really mission critical system and the first attempt we made at moving it to the cloud essentially tanked, it was over a weekend, we had some challenges around moving the size of data from the mainframe up into the cloud, the pipes weren't big enough, the tools that we were using weren't necessarily the right tools, as well as the size of the environment in the cloud, we had some challenges with that. The good news in all of this was that there was no business disruption, so if you go to the business and ask them if if this RME thing moving to the cloud didn't work, they were none the wiser, right? So it was still working because the environment that we had in our data center was still up and running, We failed over seamlessly. There was no business disruption. That's the beauty of the cloud. What we then did, though, there were two key things that came out of this, right? Um, Fail fast, fail cheap, and fail without business disruption. That's kind of key to our our overall mantra to go to the cloud. If I look at the two key lessons that the team kind of went through was, first up, uh, look at those three things. The main other thing is that looking at the size of the environment is a little different than on-prem servers. What I mean by that is you can always size up a cloud environment and size it down. So when you're thinking about migrating to the cloud, go as big as you think that you need to go, and then you can fine tune over time. You don't really have that luxury with on-prem servers. It's all in, or you've got to figure out that's the size that I need, and you're essentially locked into that CapEx investment for time. With this, we've been able to what Mike, over a two-year period, we've been able to resize that environment and reduce our cost footprint down by 50%. So we sized it up, the second attempt we made, we were successful. We sized it up, moved all of the data, and over time we've got our cost reduction down to uh, a 50% of what our original Quran costs were on the on-prem data center. So that's another key learning that came out of this. The other one quick thing that I'll make note of is that, and, and Jared alluded to it in his, uh, in his talk about the, the resources and on-site talent, we were a heavily outsourced organization three, four years ago. Over the last three years, we've been able to insource the right kind of talent for the right strategic areas. So we've chosen our areas that we want to go deep in on. Those are the secret sauce elements, if you will, for our landscape, and we've insourced those, and not just insourced those with the same technologies, but also brought in resources that understand the domain and the cloud technology world. So it's a good hybrid mix of the talent that we've got in-house for those critical systems, and that's also helped grease the skids on our, on our cloud journey.
1: So the short of it really was, there were a lot of kind of operating model and organizational challenges that they were facing and you know as Cisco started to look at this and based on some of the experiences that they had as well moving towards agile they started to see agile as a potential answer to some of those challenges um, basically to give a bit of a background on, on that as well um, In parallel to moving and exploring the cloud, Cisco was also exploring Agile. So they had set up a number of Pathfinder teams to start testing out these new frameworks, see how they worked for Cisco and where they might want to apply them. And just as they kind of learned what the benefits were early on with cloud, the same held true for Agile. And like cloud, it became kind of an important part of Cisco's uh, future IT strategy. Um, and they could start to see even early on how even some basic Agile practices, things like you know, product owners are setting up more cross-functional teams, or even just you know, a more incremental iterative mindset you know, to focus teams on value, could really help address some of the, the challenges that they were facing in terms of scarce resources and things like that, and making sure that they were best utilized. So Agile became really a solution to some of those operating model challenges that Cisco was facing in, in moving towards the cloud. And, you know, looking at how other companies were doing this and even their own experiences with with those Pathfinder teams, they knew that scale was was a challenge with Agile as well, you know, and they wanted to think through, you know, how do we actually scale this and, and do it in a more holistic way? So, you know, the way that they started to think about the problem was instead of just focusing more, you know, on, on what they call delivery agility and trying to inject more agile frameworks and practices on teams or for certain initiatives to speed those up and try to get value faster. They wanted to look at the whole problem and rethink everything, every aspect of IT and how it needed to change to really support those teams. So not just you know, doing scrum and having product owners and things like that, but how do governance processes need to change? You know, how, do, how do talent processes and hiring need to change so we can become more agile? How does our workspace need to look? Right, so the teams can collaborate more effectively. They wanted to look at every aspect of the IT organization and how it needed to change to move them more you know, beyond delivery agility, which they knew would be you know, hit an upper bound at some point in time if they didn't change those things, but move more towards what we call enterprise agility right, and make some of those more bigger structural changes that were really needed to make the whole system work and be agile. So you know, with that kind of approach in mind, cloud almost became a critical enabler, it did become a critical enabler Of agile. We already saw and had experience of how it could speed up uh, the delivery of teams and support them in that that process. Um, But also, in turn, then moving towards enterprise agility really helped push then the cloud migration, right? by, By making the whole organization, the IT organization, more nimble and faster and helping to accelerate some of these some of these migrations and transformations. So, you know. The short of this slide is really that the goals of the Agile transformation at Cisco were you know, strongly aligned with those of cloud, but they were also broader. Right? Cisco was trying to get more out of essentially the Agile transformation and reshaping out of everything that it did from an IT perspective. Um, some of those goals, just to, to go over a few of them, you know, one which I already called out was how do we focus our teams really on the highest value? You know, looking back at the cloud problem, we have scarce resources. Let's make sure they're focused where that value is. Um, They wanted to increase the speed as well, you know, which is a common goal that people have with with going Agile, deliver stuff faster and cheaper. You know, but as part of that, they wanted to make sure that they maintained, you know, the quality. They didn't want to throw out the quality or trade that off for speed. That became a key goal of the Agile transformation as well, which tied in nicely with cloud like we already mentioned. Um, And they also had the talent aspect to this, which I think is really the key one, you know. And this is where I think agile really helps stress, you know, this more cross-functional team concept or even cross-functional team members, right, that could work across the technology landscape and be more, you know, fungible or deployable depending on where the work is. So part of the agile transformation goal was actually building up that workforce of the future that could be, you know, uh, help them become more agile and actually drive these migrations faster.
0: So if I could, a couple of things that Jared kind of talked about that are really key and hit home for us. Uh, One of them was around the mindset, and that's extremely important. A mindset of incremental change, making sure you define what value is in terms of a minimum viable product. Getting the organization to think through that, internalize that, that's extremely important. All of the technology pieces could function as smooth as as ever, but if you don't change your mindset of how you adopt that change and how you evangelize that change through the organization, it will fall flat. We've had issues with that where technology worked but the business wasn't really ready or at the table making those decisions for us. So I'll give you a couple of quick examples. Um, I don't know if any of you have had a chance to look at some of the the presentations that we did last year at reInvent, but one of our key successes within AWS was our, our data lake that we built in, in AWS. <laughs> it's called Seed, uh, Cisco's ecosystem for Cisco's <laughs> enterprise data. Data, lake. data lake. It's our data lake. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there is, I promise there is, there is a full form for the acronym as well. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, that, that actually was initially started off as a replatforming technology project. Right? We had an aging appliance, and we had to get off of it. The challenge with that was we were spending dollars in the IT budget to get a technology project done. What we had to then do was figure out a way to identify business value and iteratively get off of the the boxes that we had on-prem into the cloud. So we partnered with the business, figured out there were opportunities in the category management and merchandising space, took those business opportunities from a data and analytics perspective, moved those functional areas into the cloud, into our first data lake uh, install, got business value out of it and had the business really onboarded on the journey, right? So from a technology replatform project, it became more of a business value unlock. So wherever you guys can find that good balance between business value and technology uh, replatforming, absolutely go for it and do that because that then builds the momentum and the right lens on migrating to the cloud. So that's really, really important. That's one. From a seed migration perspective, we also ran into challenges, and this was more so because it was a net new capability, not a lot of our engineers on the ground, and we had a few of those only, a handful, probably two um, initially to start with, and we had to then go outside and recruit a lot of these, uh, this engineering talent. And we looked at colleges, uh, we had interns coming in, AWS helped us with a lot of these trainings that we conducted on site, as well as send people off site for these trainings to build up that internal resource pool of skill that we needed to be able to move the rest of the, the infrastructure and data into the cloud. Having done that, one of the key successes that we've had is that a lot of our resources that were knowledgeable about our legacy platforms and our data and Cisco processes also came along for the journey. So that the interns and the new uh, engineers that we brought on that had cloud engineering backgrounds were able to get the other resources on the team along for the journey. So it was a a symbiotic relationship where these guys kind of talked about the, the, the data that we had in Cisco and how it was supposed to be consumed and these guys had the engineering concept and the team kind of meshed together really well. So that was one of the key success stories and an element of talent that really worked for us well. So wherever you guys get an opportunity to do that, that's also another, um, another tenant of our migration that I think we're gonna carry forward.
1: So how did Cisco approach the agile transformation? Um, essentially I already talked about you know trying to approach it more holistically. You know, the way that they did that was they looked at everything that they did from an IT perspective and they mapped it to one of these three agile team constructs. You know, so they rethought everything that they did essentially in terms of products, platforms or services, right? These different types of agile teams. And what this resulted in then was essentially kind of that core operating model, organizational structure that they could then start to layer on and figure out how the other pieces needed to work. Things like, you know, governance or funding processes or, or talent processes and things like that. Or how reporting lines need to look in this new, in this new, in this new way of working. Um, but this was really the, the core of it. And to go into each of these, these three constructs a little bit more detailed, you know, the way that they thought of product teams was essentially as more business-focused teams. So these teams were organized around and accountable for, you know, parts of, of the Cisco value chain. So one example might be something like the warehouse management team they would own you know, all of the technology that enabled that part of the value chain, right? kind of full stack, end-to-end, everything from you know, managing the business relationships you know, for that part, all the way through to you know, developing, you know, releasing, and supporting the product, whether it's front-end components or back-end infrastructure. This also meant that for product teams, then, you know, any kind of migration to the cloud was part of their remit. Um, you know, in terms of how these teams were composed, Essentially, they were composed of a product owner who was really focused on setting the, the direction for that product, you know, making sure that the team was focused on the highest value, and, and making sure that those were meeting the, the needs of the business. Um, and then there'd be one to three agile teams or pods that were aligned to it as well, right, to keep it, to keep it manageable. Um, and those teams would be heavily focused more on the software engineering talent, and hopefully had skill sets that could work across that technology stack. Um, typically, they worked in the Scrum framework, you know, and they're now delivering new software for their product every, every two weeks. To distinguish that from uh, the platform teams on the next one, you know, in terms of size and composition, very similar, same types of resourcing, you know, also having a platform owner that's really focused on the customer and making sure that that platform is meeting those needs. Um, but where they differ from a product team is a platform team is more focused on self-service enablement. That's their mission and why they exist. You know, the whole point of a platform team is to enable product teams to work independently without handoffs, without that service relationship, which we'll talk about in a second, that they can move quickly and be agile and be responsive to their, to their, to their customers. So that's a platform team, right? And the third one then is really a service team, which is where, you know, there's still, you know, automation or self-service is just not feasible. or doesn't necessarily make sense. So an example of that might be something like, you know, vendor management or help desk, right? You still need to have, you know, some kind of handoff or manual intervention to support product teams. Um, if you look at the cloud team that was formed at Cisco, it's a prime example of a platform team, right? So it's essentially been set up to automate and drive self-service capabilities so that product teams can run on their own, right? And have run without essentially handoffs whenever they need to do something new from a a hosting perspective, they can run that on their own. Um, And the key then of these three constructs is really their their interaction between them, right? So the whole key to making this work is setting up these full stack product teams that have the skills that they need so that they can actually develop that full stack of technology associated with their part of the value chain, but also then driving the automation by these platform teams. It's really about pushing them from the service model to a self-service model, right, from service team more to a platform team so that the product teams can then run. And that's a tough, you know, thing to happen, especially when they're constantly being hit with service requests and things like that that try to distract them from, you know, some of their goals around automation. Um, Once you can do that, though, that's when you start to get kind of real agility, you know, on the business side and the responsiveness there and also start to enable the product teams to really drive their own cloud migration as well as they have now a consumable platform that they can use to to do that. So once we essentially had kind of this core structure in place, the next step then was really, like I said, rethinking all those other enterprise components to really make this work. So things like, I said, funding processes, you know, moving that away from an annual process of funding projects, to a more more frequent funding of the actual teams, to give them the actual freedom to move around and shift to wherever the the priorities are. Um, Around talent process, I think we talked about a number of things there, especially around hiring. You know, something else that Cisco's been looking at at doing is, you know, setting up a more central talent pipeline with the hiring managers that know how to identify and bring in that type of talent that they really want to start seeding the organization with. That they can start to then set up these product teams in ways that can be more more effective. so that's sort the next step then, is layering on all those other pieces to get towards kind of their vision of, of enterprise agility.
0: A couple of quick adds uh, to what Jared kind of talked through there. Um, that organizational model or the structure of the organizational model that you saw there, um, it took us a few iterations to get to it. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. We talked to a multitude of different companies that were ahead of us in this transformation journey. Um, And each one of them had actually started somewhere and ended up, uh, well, directionally in the same place but in a very different structure the way they started. One of the things that I would advise you guys to do if you're starting the journey is don't wait to spit polish and get something ready for prime time. Just as you're looking at agility in product delivery and, and your software engineering, look at some level of agility and change even within the org structure and the construct of the org structure. Start somewhere where you think it's right, and then start, be open to the fact that this will morph and change based on learnings that you have through that journey. We've learned that over ours. We've been at this for a couple of years. It's, what you see on the slide there is substantially different than where we started. And I'm sure it will continue to evolve over the next few years as we learn more. One of the other things that's critical to us is uh, getting the business on board with us on the Agile journey. Agile is not something that IT organizations do in a silo, right? Some of the interpretations that we had of Agile when we started this off was Agile is something that you guys do in two weeks and give me things faster. Right? That was the interpretation the business had. And all of us, hopefully, in the room know that that's not really the case. We need the business to be at the table, to take ownership of what they want built, help us prioritize backlogs, and work with us on a regular cadence so that the product that we're, de- that we're delivering to them, <coughs> excuse me, uh, is actually what they need, right? So it's not something that's thrown over the fence and four months later, some wind or somewhere has developed something and the IT organization goes back to the, to the business and says, this is what it is. So this is not just a mindset change for IT, but it is also something that's really, really critical for the business to be at the table for. And I wouldn't say that we have that solved yet, but we are getting to a point where we've got a lot of our business leadership at the same point in thinking. We've got to evangelize that through the organization, but we are at a good point where a lot of our executive leadership is lined up to the way of thinking. So that's really, really important and something that you guys should keep on the radar as you, you know, go on your journeys uh, yourselves.
1: So just to quickly cover some of the improvements that were realized with these changes. Um, you know, on the, the first couple to me are kind of the same, right? Where really, at, where we're at now, there's essentially 40 teams that are using cloud services as part of their as part of their products which to me makes it you know a strong case that those consumable self-service capabilities are now starting to get in place Um, the product teams are starting to get upskilled to use them right and we're starting to accelerate that that migration all the faster with this model Um, you know we're getting things out faster you know, over the course of this transformation, the average time that it takes to develop a feature has gone from around 50 days down to about 19 days, including the development of new self-service capabilities by the, by the cloud team or new business capabilities by product teams. So that's another huge, I think, improvement that we've, we've a, a been able to, to achieve. That and the actual throughput as well has, has more than doubled over that course. So before where around just over 300 features were being developed every, every two weeks in every sprint by, across the teams. Now we're hitting over 700, right? So we're getting a, significant productivity gains as well through this model, right, which is all kind of, I think, a, a really great news story. And the last one is really the shift then in, in, in kind of the position of I, IT and becoming more of a, you know, trusted partner with the business, right? Now that they have, you know, started to work more closely in this new way of working and seen some of the benefits of it, it's starting to change the way that, that that IT and the business are working together. We're in a partnership type of uh, model.
0: One quick add on that, right? If I kind of think through some of the improvements that we've realized and if I look at the IT culture change, one of the things that we've done successfully, a lot of the people in the front row have actually helped uh, do this with our organization is we've um, incorporated at least a quarterly hackathon with the business, right? And get get the business at the table to see the value that IT can deliver and, and it's not you know, you give something to IT and it's going to take you a number of months or years to get something back. Hackathons have actually started changing the mindset of think small, right, and get some value immediately out of it, and and the team in terms of that agile thinking. Hackathons have been a really, really good uh, measure of starting to change that culture within IT. One of the examples that I can uh, uh, quickly think of that's derived a whole lot of value for us in the last, uh, I want to say in the last quarter, we've had some pressures from a delivery cost perspective. So when we deliver product to our customers, um, seeing real-time data on our drivers and our vehicles on how much time they're taking at each stop is really critical and then giving them the coaching on, hey, this is what you should be doing at a particular stop, this is how you could reduce stop time is really important. At one of the hackathons, we were able to get a lot of our our data kind of pulled in real-time into our data lake, um, Cisco's ecosystem for (laughs) enterprise data, that seed, um, thanks, Habib. Um, so we were actually able to deliver value really, really quickly to the business uh, through that. And some of this stuff came through a hackathon. And we've actually helped reduce and, and shine a spotlight on where the opportunities were from a delivery cost-efficiency perspective. So things like that. You know, the IT folks love to experiment with new technologies. The business loves it even more if it actually gives you value out of it. So keep that, uh, keep that dimension on as you kind of think of you know, opportunities for you guys to look at cloud migrations as well.
1: So this is just one other example of some of the benefits that were realized over the course of this journey. So this is a specific use case you know, around deploying a web server in a DMZ. But really, from before, before even exploring cloud, you know, we were talking on the order of months to implement something like that with all these handoffs between teams, whether it was vendor teams, you know, the different infrastructure teams, right a lot of handoffs that are slowing down and obviously people not necessarily satisfied with, with that reality, you know, in the early days of exploring cloud, they were able to drive this down significantly, right? So the time to implement went basically from months to days, and we also massively reduced the handoffs that were involved in this. But now over the last the course of the last year or two, essentially we've got this now down to minutes as we now really focus this platform team on, on improving those, those capabilities. And the handoffs are essentially non-existent if, if they're needed at all. And you know the teams obviously are liking this approach far better.
0: The color that it, it really looks good on the slide, right? So we definitely have had an evolution and journey through getting from the left to the right. Not all of our infrastructure is in that place yet. So we've, we've got we've got opportunities that we're looking at to move a lot of our uh, teams to that model. Uh, we've had successes in, in silos, and we've got to start scaling that. That's our next big mountain to conquer: is how do we get this evangelized across the enterprise? One other thing that I'll call out is as we look at Agile and look at cloud, the biggest thing, there's change across the IT organization. The mindset needs to change across all application development teams and infrastructure teams. The biggest change is for the infrastructure teams because they move from the doers, you know, building servers, making sure servers are up and running, monitoring servers, to then becoming teams that enable product teams to have their own Uh, own infrastructure and manage their own infrastructure so going from that mindset to being able to support product teams to do their self-service is a really critical shift and important element of this and as we looked at that slide there the left was infrastructure doing everything to now becoming more of a self-service enabler if you will for the product teams and that's in my mind big been the biggest uh, speed bump that we run into we've gotten over it we've got to figure out our, our way to kind of scale this out to the enterprise now This is me. All right, so I'll, I'll close this out, and then we can kind of go to questions in a second here. So as we look at the, the next steps in our journey, right, if I look at where we were and what were what, what the three important pillars, and I'll come to the slide in a second, you've got to look at cloud migration from a people process and a technology lens. It's not just about looking at new cloud technologies and saying, hey, I'm going to take this to the cloud, and it's going to be all better. How do you look at, you know, changing the skill set, the mix, the mindset of the people? Really, really important. And the last piece is the people piece of it, right? Is how do I, act, uh, the people piece of it is the talent and the, the actual, uh, the change in Agile is the, the other key component of this, is how do I actually start changing the mindset of the organization to think in iterative increments and value increments as well? So these three elements, if you kind of think of holistically, that'll help you on your Agile journey. From our perspective, the three things that you see up there, we are now focused on adding new capabilities through the cloud, one of the big things that we're looking at doing is, uh, is things around data science. There are a couple of guys here that, that are driving that, uh, that capability within the organization. So starting looking at uh, technologies like SageMaker and, and uh, our data lake in combination. So we've got the foundation with our data lake. How do you leverage SageMaker now <clears throat> to start uh, exploiting that from a business perspective is, is one of the key elements that we are starting to drive. And the last piece is automation. One of the big things that you will see is instead of having an army of folks offshore to be able to do some of the capabilities or perform some of the tasks that you have, start looking at cloud automation for a lot of these works. Be looking at investing in RPA as well as uh, the overall DevOps mentality to be able to automate things from a CI/CD deployment perspective to doing things that are repetitive using RPA. So that's kind of our next steps in our evolution, if you will. And we will continue to evolve, and uh, hopefully you guys have got a little bit of insight on how we've evolved over the last two to three years. I think with that, we can open up for questions. Yes. Thanks, Abebe. What was the resistance from infrastructure team that you I wouldn't use the word resistance, but there was definitely a mindset shift that needed to happen, and it happened over time. So to your question, right, so the challenge is always instead of me controlling what I do with my servers, now I'm going to give it to somebody else to look and manage at, right? So it's, it's my purview, my control, which I it, it's almost a mindset shift of, hey, I'm going to enable you to do the right things. If you go and I'm going to give you the guardrails, <laughs> right, the infrastructure team or the cloud enablement team, if you will, provides you the guardrails and the tools to see, hey, this is how you use it. If you stay within those guardrails, well and good, the product teams are supposed to do that. Um, but if you don't, then the infrastructure team has kind of the reins on that. The, the challenge that we ran into was letting go, right? Making sure that there are the guardrails built, guardrails built, but also letting go and letting the product teams do their thing, providing them the tools. That was essentially the challenge and the mindset shift that was a little bit of a speed bump in our journey.
1: And they have to work in two modes, right? So you're asking them essentially at the beginning to be a platform team and a service team. And they have to manage both of those, those types of work. So I think that's then the real challenge. And how is it that over time, they can at least dedicate some capacity every sprint, at least to the automation and platform building, so that they can start to then reduce and reduce and reduce the service side of the equation. You know, so it might be less resistance, but more just, you know, hey, we can't do this yet, right? Because we have to support all these service requests.
0: All of the above all of the above. And actually, one of the other key elements is making them feel comfortable in the role that they're playing, right? It's, it's not that the jobs, or, or there is an element of, hey, am I gonna be needed in the future because all of this is gonna go away? The job just changes, and it changes dramatically for the infrastructure team, and that mindset, if you don't adopt, it becomes a little bit of an impediment, and that's where I think the change needs to happen a lot quicker, and that'll help grease the skids, in my mind, for a lot of the cloud transition.
1: Is there questions at the...
0: There's a lot of hands, yeah, I'm gonna sorry. let him pick.
1: I guess I saw you first. Yes, yeah. How do you manage to budget through this process? Like how well did you and then what process? your do you want to take that? How do we manage the budget yeah, how through this the process? process? Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the last time that we checked on this, I'm not sure if I can actually cite numbers from the business yes, case. Yes, I'll do that. Let's please not do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but essentially last time we checked against this, we were uh, trying to think of the percentage off. You know, we were about, you know, within 10% of where we wanted to hit. You know. 7% off. 7% off. There you go. Right. In terms of right now, at this point in time, we we're pretty pretty close, right? It was more the business case was around a two-year timeline. So that's where we are still about 10% off. But in terms of where we hope to be at this point in the trajectory, we're actually pretty close.
0: So was your question around budget planning and how we plan for this, or? Else I do want to qualify what he's saying, though, right? So one of the key elements that we kind of learned over the journey is it's not just about the numbers, and it's not a like-for-like like in most situations. There's a lot of unlock on the capability side that's the top side of it. It's not the bottom line in terms of cost, but it unlocks more capability and potentially top-line revenue for you. Typically, IT organizations aren't good at measuring that. And that's the element that, that actually adds on the additional piece of color to this, right? So even though we came in off by 7%, there was a lot of value unlock on the business capability side. That, that's part of the equation as well. I'm sorry? Great question. Still trying to figure that out. No, so one of the <laughs> things. <laughs> no, no, no. So. so uh- So there are a couple of areas that we've actually been able to quantify this. So our category management efforts actually released a year on year benefit of about $50 million from the the work that we've done. Now the business obviously is is questioning the number, let me say it that way, but we we are actually, we've been able to go back to them and showcase the value before and after. And I don't think the, the numbers lie when you look at what we've been able to prove out with what we've done with category management in particular.
1: Oh, yeah, I think you were first. Both.
0: I think it varies by team. Mm -hmm. Uh, In in the most aggressive, the example that I kind of took about on the the seed team, I would say it was probably like a 70-30 with 70% being net new to the team's Essentially net new, we've got probably one or two resources that were the original resources that we had to upskill. But those core resources have been key in my mind to get the new resources onboarded with what we wanted to do and understand what we had in our landscape. So the 70% in my mind wouldn't have been successful without the 30% of the resources that we had already on the ground. Yes? So, we haven't really got our business as part of our Agile transformation. Yet. And that's what I was alluding to. We've got our leaders on the business now thinking through this with us. Mm-hmm. We've had success in, some, in pockets with some business functions, not business units necessarily. Um, we've got our warehousing function that Jared kind of mentioned. where We have actually a product owner in the business that owns that. And that's where you see real traction, real value, and real progress being made. Um, where we've actually got proxy product owners, it, it takes a little time. For, for us to be able to deliver that value and for the business to recognize that the value is really being delivered. So we're still trying to figure out the answer to that and I think we've got an evolution to go through on our business side to be able to get on board enterprise-wide with Agile. We've had success in, in pockets and in silos so far. But you're right, it absolutely requires the business to be at the table.
1: Yes? Yeah, how do you measure the performance of your teams? What metrics do you regard? Oh. Yeah, lots of metrics, right? Like um, some of the key ones that we've been using, at least early on. I think it goes through phases with with teams. I'll look at, at least from an agile perspective, but initially we we're looking at their velocity. You know, how stable is their velocity? Is it increasing at least early on? Is it now getting more stable? Um, looking at you know their sprints, are they conforming to what their sprint goals were? Are they actually hitting their plans? Sprint over sprint was a key one early on. You know, other ones that we've wanted to start looking at as well now that teams are starting to get more mature is, you know, are they actually managing their technical debts and driving down defects? So something like failure demand and how much are they committing to each sprint in terms of technical debt and and other things like that to make sure they're maintaining the the quality of their of their of their products and platforms. Um, We're also looking at customer satisfaction. That's one of the key ones that we wanted, you know, who cares if we're fast and building a lot of stuff if our customers aren't happy. So that was one of the key metrics that leadership really wanted to focus on as well and make sure was in place.
0: Say that again, I couldn't follow the question.
1: Uh, it's more about refocusing, I think, those resources on more value add activities. You know, so instead of process being a service, you know, they're actually now focused more on automation and things like that.
0: And those numbers were were handoffs.
1: They yeah, weren't. Yeah, it, it was handoffs. It wasn't. It wasn't. A reduction but in so
0: to, to qualify all of that, right? So we've been looking at obviously agile. The whole goal is to help be a lot more efficient because you prioritize the work. Um, we've been able to reduce our our spend on vendors, for example, yeah. that have been. Offset with in source candidates that we brought on to the Cisco payroll, if you will. Yeah. So there's been an opportunity to do that across different areas and different product teams. Yeah. Yes? Could you just frame, uh, what portion of the workloads have migrated to cloud so far and now best practices in the next two years, or even years? I think the big nut that we've got still to crack is our AS400s that, that kind of run our. Uh, our overall ERP, quote-unquote custom ERP solutions, if you will. Um, We've got about 70% of our personal data center that we had in Houston that's migrated to the cloud. About 40% of the rest of the on-prem has been migrated. Um, And we we are looking to migrate the rest over the next couple of years, like you alluded to. I think, like I said, the S400s are gonna be the one big one that it's it's not just a lift and shift, it's looking at refactoring those applications, and that's what takes a little bit of uh, time and investment. Yes. How different do you think it would have been if you had done Agile before <laughs> Hindsight's always twenty twenty. 20 um, I don't think I would have done this any differently than where we've ended up. If we, would, if we were able to do that, I, the, the change that I would have made was get the business on board to Agile a lot earlier, and I would still push for that because that would then help us prioritize our work and then focus on the right things. We've kind of looked at partnerships in... in where IT's got challenges, right? Even the the seed showcase that we kind of talked about where we we had a data warehouse migrated to the cloud, it was us kind of looking for opportunities to partner with the business. I would kind of flip it around and think about business getting more agile mindsets so that they look at, hey, that's where the value is and I want to go focus on that rather than a whole slew of different things that we typically end up doing. So that's the change that I would potentially make.
1: When I started doing agile transformation work, cloud wasn't as what it is now. Um, and basically, there it was a matter of engaging with infrastructure teams a lot earlier and making sure that agile teams were having that planning horizon so they could plug them in and make sure that those requirements were known and fitting into their more timely or time consuming processes, if that makes sense. There's
0: a couple of questions over there. Yes. The application that you the platform very legacy. It's, it's completely legacy, so it's a mainframe COBOL application Cobol, yeah. that, that was replatformed from mainframe to a microfocus based platform. But it was, it's all COBOL code that, that we've moved up in the cloud. Yes? How do prioritize Is it being done by the business you? Great question. So going back to what I was just alluding to in my conversation with the gentleman here, um, depending on the business involvement with those product teams and ownership that they have in those teams, The business for the warehouse team, for example, that I alluded to earlier, they prioritize the backlog. They actually help work with our scrum masters and our proxy product owners on on the IT side to prioritize all the feature releases. There's another flavor, which on the other extreme is we kind of go back to say, hey, this is all the stuff that is in our queues. And we proactively work with different stakeholders across the business to be able to prioritize that. where we don't have clear line of sight on product ownership yet. So like I said, the ideal place for us to end up would be product owners reside in the business, and they actually help drive prioritization. But so that's an evolution that we're kind of getting to. Yes? One of you guys. Of you had one already. The guy behind you. No, go ahead. Go, <laughs> ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. How are you guys treating your end of life then with that logic? Because are you guys treating all end of life products where they have to go cloud, or are you guys giving them the option where they can go wherever they so that's an interesting question. So the, I'll take it the flip way, right? <clears throat> Any net new capabilities, we are pushing for cloud first. right? So that's kind of the path that we want to go for. For legacy applications, it's, I think, a two-pronged lens of why would you move to cloud. If there's a clear path to move to cloud and there's a financial benefit or a capability unlock, absolutely, check the box. If there isn't a clear line of sight, right, and, and it's more complex and it's a longer time duration, which IT needs to invest in and there's no clear business alignment on it, we, Typically, keep it on the back burner. There was a question right behind you. Yeah, we might, how many employees do you have? How many what? Employees, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, 67,000 overall in Cisco. From an IT perspective, you have got about 1,000. Yeah. Here. Oh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He's policing the questions in the back there. we're still we're yeah. working on it. I think we're in a good place, but like I said in my earlier comments, I don't think you stop. I think it's an evolution that you're on a journey continually. We're at a point where I think we've, we've made substantial progress in breaking down those silos within the IT organization. The next opportunity or the next battlefield is gonna be making those changes on the business side cross-functionally as well, because it's not just merchandising or sales or procurement that kind of works, it's cross-functional alignment across the business as well. So that's another key element that that's probably the next uh the next build, big hill that we need to conquer. Yes. How the knowledge transfer managed from Deloitte to Cisco to so Cisco to
1: going forward? You want to take that Jared? Yeah, um like speaking from a transformation perspective cuz that's at least the role that I can I can um speak to. We've actually done this in lockstep with Cisco from the very beginning, you know, so about two years ago when we started. And, you know, whether it was, you know, leading this with with Cisco people, right? That were actually owning this transformation and working with them day to day. Um, Even the whole coaching program that we stood up, we didn't bring in Deloitte coaches, we launched Cisco coaches and supported (coughs) them. So that they were actually driving and sustaining this change on their own from the very beginning. That's the model that we wanted to uh, to apply here so that, you know, they had that internal then network and capability to continue to drive this throughout the organization and and continue to mature. So it was really like a partnership all along to be honest with you. Thank you. Yep. I think you were yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to bring in more of the platform concept, right? And have them actually work in just as agile a way as the, the product teams. So the cloud team itself is continuously working at bringing in new, making available new cloud capabilities, right? At least trying to meet wherever the customer needs are and trying to align their backlog accordingly. Um, I don't know if I'm missing it.
0: Are, are you, is your question more centered around innovation and net new capabilities? Okay, so great question. I don't think we have, we've solved for that. We are looking to solve for and there's a couple of gentlemen in the front row here you might want to talk to after. One of them leads our enterprise architecture and engineering capabilities, and one of the things that we're trying to get to is figure out how do we have a regular cadence of looking at stuff that's happening in the marketplace, not just AWS, but holistically, right? A lot of that is also being embedded within those teams. Right? Part of the backlog is not just to look at all of the new feature development or tickets that come in, Part of the mentality that we're trying to get to that is also that innovation mentality. Start looking outside in for things you could do better or different, right? It doesn't always happen, right, because you've got production issues and the business pushing you on feature releases. So that's a discipline that I think comes with evolution. Uh, part of it is also some of the principles that we're using in our uh, architecture and engineering space to start looking at these more proactively. I don't think we've got a silver bullet for it yet, but that's actively on our radar.
1: Um, yeah, well, that's the other metric that I cited as well, where essentially, you know, the time that it now takes to, to deliver a new feature, you know, whether that's a new business feature or, you know, part of you know, the cloud platform, it's, it's essentially, we just measure the time, like that total lead time from when it comes into the backlog until when it's done and released, right? And from that perspective, it's gone from around 50 days to around 19 days is the current average time around that. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. Yep.
0: With the M and A activity, is that the question? Yeah. Do you want to take a shot at it, or did I
1: go out? I'm trying to think if there's. I'm trying to think of. We a, haven't had an acquisition, yeah, right?
0: a big acquisition. Let me say it that way in the recent past. But one of the things that I see as a benefit of coming out of this is we've now got the ability to stand up sandboxes where we could potentially bring in external data, mash that up with our existing data a whole lot faster and a whole lot more securely uh, than what we had in the past because all of our on-prem servers would need upscaling and you'd actually have to buy additional licenses or whatever else, right? Um, the other big thing with an m and play is you need clean rooms to, to siphon off data and, and resources. The cloud actually allows you to do that really quickly and we've got the capability to do that with, uh, with our current foundation that we built in the cloud. So if we go in for a, a big acquisition in the next few years, I think we are a lot more better positioned to be able to do that from a tech perspective than I would say we were three years ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Manisa. Do you by chance have a session tomorrow at 4.45 at the MGM about how you went from a large-scale legacy migration to the cloud? We do. We do, and all of you guys are welcome, and should come to that session, and you'd learn a lot more about our actual technical transitions. Thank you, Manise. great question. That was the best question of the the hour. All right, awesome, thank you guys.